I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's Map. If you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, back for another episode of Hogwarts, a pod. And we got chapter seven. The uh, We're already going to have issues. It's right in the title here. <laughs> Anna is back with us. Uh, hi. We were debating pre-episode starting how we're going to pronounce this. Bogart? Bogart? I've always just said Bogart as I've read. I, I'm um, less confident in this, so I don't know which one. I'll probably just switch. I'll probably say a 50 million different ways. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, chapter seven, the Bogart in the wardrobe. That sounds weird. The, the Bogart in the wardrobe. We also had a pre-episode in our like sharing of notes, uh, a nice little throwdown. So this might be an entertaining episode, everybody. <laughs> so we'll see. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. The previous chapter, Talons and Tea Leaves, featured essentially three major classrooms. This chapter starts out with two major classrooms. We see Snape and we see Lupin. Two very different classrooms. Very different. And we'll just start with uh, Snape's classroom. And it's um, obviously we've gotten a taste of it before because we've spent a lot of time there. And just the it's like the polar opposite of Trelawney's, really. Like, Trelawney's is more like, yeah, the armchairs, the warmth, whereas now you go into this, like, cold stone, like, yeah. Two polar opposite classrooms. Also, the teachers are very polar opposite in how they kind of conduct class. And obviously you get uh, Malfoy kind of milking that injury more and more and more. Yeah, that kind of makes me angry. It gets old quick, doesn't it? How did Comfrey even let him leave the hospital wing faking that injury? She had her gone to is making. She knows he's fine. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, she would know right off the bat, like, So why did she let him leave with the, the sling and the wrappings? Just let him milk it forever. To shut him up, probably? He's the worst. <laughs> like, I could imagine her just being like, fine, whatever, <laughs> leave. <laughs> like, just leave now. Because uh, it does get old quick. His making fun of Harry with the Dementors gets old quick. Yeah. This gets old really quick. Um, but that's, you know, Draco for you in the, the early Seriously. in the early books here. So um, you have that going on. And then poor Neville just is not having it. It's terrible. Snape is so... I hate him. He was particularly, uh, particularly aggressive in this one. And uh, the worst part about it for me was not only do you, like, degrade and humiliate... Neville individually. You then bring everyone over to specifically focus on his failure. Well, also, what was he going to do if Hermione hadn't helped him fix his shrinking solution? Like, was he just going to kill Neville's pet? Like, how was a teacher even allowed to do that? If Trevor had died, would there have been any repercussions for him? Any other teacher in the world, there would be repercussions for killing your student's pet. I feel like also, has no one ever complained about Snape to Dumbledore and be like, hey, he's mistreating students. Very this one particularly yes. badly. 
Yes. Like, I I get you want to stick up for your teachers, but also you got to have a discussion to be like, hey, be a little easier. Come on, Just man. don't be, like, cruel and a yeah. bully. Be yeah. An adult. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure Neville is too scared to ever report him. I'm sure. I'm kind of surprised that Hermione wouldn't report him. But Snape is also Harry can't, because her. that seems like a personal grudge. Oh, yeah. Harry would never. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that it's allowed to get to this level and no one's ever kind of come back at him for it. Uh, as far as, a, like, a peer, like, an actual other professor or Dumbledore himself has been like, hey, can you not do that? Um, and we well, can... but if they never, like, actually hold him accountable, because Dumbledore's never going to, like, kick him out of the castle. So, And Snape knows that. So what power really... Does Dumbledore have over him? Well, I mean, we've seen Dumbledore has a considerable amount of influence and power. Yeah, obviously. But I'm just saying... <laughs> Usually like, when he says something, it happens. As far as, like, how so. he treats his students, I don't think anybody really has... Like, nothing's going to happen to Snape if he doesn't yeah. get better. But. Um, we can kind of dive... We'll dive into all of the teachers and the spoilers a little bit more. Um, but transitioning now into a much different style, uh, we get... Professor Lupin. And we've already seen some of his exploits in some of the earlier chapters. But I love right off the bat that he says you can put your books away. It's going to be a practical lesson. Mm -hmm. And just me as a student, I appreciate that because I learned better from practical moments than just reading about them. Like if I'm doing it, I learn better. And that's one of the types of learning. Me personally, I hated those lessons as really? a student. Oh, I'm I'm such a like book note taker learner. But as a teacher, I recognize how important lessons like that are, especially this subject. So, well, right, exactly. This is the first time I ever find. Which obviously, it's the first good teacher they've had. But this is the first time I remember finding defense against the dark arts just fascinating. Like I wanted to yeah. be in that classroom. This is the first time we really spend time here, right? Other, than, well, I mean, we spend time I mean, in Lockhart's Lockhart, room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't count those. So. Yeah. <laughs> like this is the first time we're doing like a real class, and we're spending time. I'm sure Coral did lessons. Yeah, I'm sure he did, but I but we never spent any see time it there. Being as good a lesson as what Lupin's doing. Sure. But. So he takes them out of the classroom, actually. And as he's going down the hallway to where they want to have the lesson, he sees Peeves. And it's like his his first moment. It's like the students testing him. Yeah. And it, it's a really interesting moment of Peeves like making fun of him. Oh, how's the new guy going to react to Peeves? <laughs> Just it's like, okay, you know, whatever. Also, bam, like right at you. Like the gum that was stuck in the door just comes flying at Peeves. Yeah, which is aggressive. It is aggressive. That would hurt. Yeah, it really would. <laughs> but also, he says it's a useful little spell. <laughs> Who is going to find that spell useful other than a prankster? Mm -hmm. I like how the students measure a teacher's legitimacy on how they handle Peeves. Yeah. Because I mean, it's a pretty good. Peeves respects McGonagall. I assume he respects Flitwick, though we don't really have an interaction to go off of that. Not really, no. So, uh, and we don't have Peeves Snape. I'm, I'm I do want to imagine. I, 
Yeah. There might be a reason why Peeve stays away from Snape. Yeah. (laughs) There's probably a reason for that. Uh, But yeah, now now he's kind of gotten a taste of Lupin, and you know we'll see if he tests Lupin anymore or if he now stays away from Lupin. But so now they get into the teacher's staff room, which I have questions about this whole setup. I'm like, why this particular creature? It's a creature, right? It's a shapeshifter. So, yes. Yeah. So, why this creature just, like, where did it come from? Did it just, like, manifest in this wardrobe in the staff room? I mean... That's the impression you get from Lupin. said something about, like, I asked the teachers to leave it. That it, it crawled in the other day. So, yeah, it definitely... I don't know. My thought on it was, do you think maybe it's due to the Dementors being around the castle? Like, do you think it is like, manifested when like there's, like... Increased fear yeah. and anxiety? I, maybe. I, I don't know. It's just, going back and reading this, I'm like, wait a minute. How do these things, I know, I've like... I've that thought before, too, but, I mean, I guess there's no real answer. There isn't. I found out there, yeah. No, but, yeah, I don't know. Where, so I just had, like, where do they come from? Do they just manifest randomly? I don't know. But, so sitting in this wardrobe in the teacher's staff room... And now I'm also picturing, like, McGonagall and Flitwick annoyed, sitting there, like, grading homework, annoyed by the rattling, like, whatever. Her Dumbledore just comes in and is like, oh, okay. Dumbledore probably wouldn't even notice. Probably not. Probably wouldn't. Anyway, so we start the lesson, and, uh, well, we don't even start the lesson yet. We have another interaction between Snape and Lupin and... And Neville. And Neville. Um, which is a really interesting kind of three-way reaction between the three of them. Snape seems displeased to be in Lupin's presence. I feel like he's always uh, annoyed by that fact. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I know Anna wants to get into. (laughs) (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, Snape gives him the warning of Neville can be a handful Poopy is that? That's a really low thing to do. Yeah, it's it's a childish thing to do. This is the moment I fall in love with Lupin for the first time when he he just sticks up for Neville so seamlessly and easily and like nonchalantly, like and then embarrasses Neville further, (laughs) (laughs) makes him even more nervous indirectly. Yeah, but he also gives Neville that boost. I mean, like, would Neville have ever been able to do that level of magic in Snape's classroom? No, no, no. Environment does do a lot for a student, for sure. And just having that belief that you can do it. um, And not only do it, be the the first one out of the gate. You don't really even know what you're up against yet. And Lupin's like, no, 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 you you got this. You're fine. He'll be be okay. So (laughs) there's a whole rundown here of just like students, what they fear and how they overcome it. Random fears here. but Some weird ones. Uh, Do you feel like JK is just like, how am I going to come up with yeah, however many much. nine different fears or whatever? Probably. Neville is uh, probably the most hilarious of them. <laughs> uh, fears Snape and his solution, which they kind of talk it through with Lupin. Lupin does a really good job of like, okay, here's what we got. It's this is what we're going to do. Lupin's way of just teaching Neville there was like step by step. I'm just having a conversation with you. We got this thing. Here's how we're going to attack it. All right. Uh, but yeah, so it's Snape is the fear, and he essentially turns Snape into uh, 
his grandmother's wardrobe, basically, which is an outstanding wardrobe. Yeah, right? A Where does one find vulture? a hat with a vulture? I don't know. I want one. <laughs> you want one? Yeah. Uh, then we get into some different ones. We get um, Parvati with the mummy fear. I will give her this. It was kind of a clever way to undo it with yeah. the unraveling and having to trip and then being decapitated. Yeah, that was a little random, but... It was a little much. She had aggression right. with that spell. That's fine. Seamus No H comes in with the fear of the Banshee, with an H, Banshee. And the solution was uh, having the Banshee lose their voice because obviously the Banshee's power is mm -hmm. in his voice, which it uses in the classroom, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, then his best bud forever, Dean, <laughs> fears a severed hand. I really want to know why Dean fears a severed hand. The solution was it gets caught in like some sort of bear trap or mouse trap or something yeah. like that. Ron fears spiders, as we know. Uh, his solution, different from the movie. I like this one better. Where he cuts off the legs and yeah. just has it like it's rolling. Just like rolling around, yeah. I don't know. That's, the skates make a lot of sense. Yeah. We got Harry, who has this inner monologue of what's going to happen when it's his turn. And he has this thought of Voldy being it. And then he gets sidetracked by the, the hand and the experience that he had on Hogwarts Express. But as his turn comes up, Lupin jumps in front of him. And they describe it as a pale orb, uh, which his solution to which is to turn it into a cockroach, yeah, which could be someone else's funny. fear. Yeah, so, uh, so I guess you learn two things. Lupin's fear is a pale orb and not afraid of cockroaches at all. <laughs> so we learn two things about Lupin. And then Hermione doesn't get to go and she feels super bummed about that because Lupin ends the does, lesson yeah. like right there after Neville finishes the... What do you think her bogart would have been? Um, I think it was mentioned... Oh, no, Ron was being mean to her well yeah but i i think it's i think it's valid though in that failure academically would yeah there would be a fear would be up her i don't know what I that would manifest thought that maybe it would be like ron and like the act like mean ron and sorcerer's stone would it be trelawney just holding a paper like <laughs> f like worse ever something like that i don't know <laughs> you cannot learn from books Ruining her whole future because of a divination, like one bad divination grape, something. I don't know. Um, but probably something at this stage of her life, probably something along those lines. Academic failure of some sort. Now, I put down here, like, what would ours be? Yes. And you brought up in, we've had a lot of pre-meeting <laughs> talks here. We had a lot, a lot of prep. But you brought up the idea of, like, well, would it be your 13-year-old self like them, or would it be your adult self? Because those are two vastly different things. Yeah, very, very vastly different. And quite honestly, my 13-year-old fear would probably be the most stupid thing ever. So frivolous yeah. and, and just dumb. It'd probably be like sweating in front of like my class too much or something. And just, yeah, yeah. like giving up like oral presentation or something yeah, like that, like exactly. a book report or something stupid. Uh, that doesn't, like, no one's going to remember that, like, five years from now, a year from now, five months from now, no one's going to care. But um, adult fears are probably a little bit more legitimate and real. Although, that being said, mine, for example, it's not too terribly personal, but mine would be, we have a family house up in uh, northern Wisconsin, if anybody's listening from Wisconsin. Hey. Hey. Uh, but we have a family house up in northern Wisconsin, and it's been in the family for forever. And I have that fear of, like, I'm going to be the one to, like, 
lose the house in the family or like mess it up somehow since it's been in the family for like over 110 years oh yeah that's some pressure like i would be the one that can't pay for the taxes or can't you know hold on to it into the family for some reason that being said a house appearing uh, like in this classroom or the staff room <laughs> yeah and it's like a fear of mine, but it's not a good fear for this no. because, and something like Lupin, I think it's similar to Lupin's yeah. in that fearing a pale orb is one thing, but does that ever really like, you might be afraid of it, but does it really inspire fear? Like, does it freeze you like if I saw that house, would I be like crippling in fear? No, I would be like, I would remember some not so great feelings and thoughts. But then I would just get rid of it really quick because it wouldn't like that inhibit is, me. I guess that would be a pretty good question of what true fear the book art focuses on. Does it really focus on like your private, like personal fears or does it just focus on the fear that's going to like freeze you in horror so that you're not going to be able to like function? Yeah. I don't know. And I obviously Lupin talks about attacking this in numbers because then it can't focus right. as well and it gets confused, but it's, how does it read your... First of all, the power of even reading your fear yeah. is intense. And then it does it so quickly. And I know it's in, like, dark spaces. So it can kind of hide until it probably, like, focuses in on something or, right. or finds something. And then it can kind of come out into the light a little bit more. Right. But, like, I wonder how much time it takes. I wonder how instantaneous it is. If it just, like, looks at you and is like, oh, got it. It's pretty darn fast in that classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know my, I think, fear in mine is another kind of, like, personal fear, though. You can kind of see how it would manifest. I mean, mine would, mine's a little darker than yours, sorry. Mine would just be, like, the death of, like, a loved one while I was kind of, like, standing by. And I think anybody who knows me could know why that would be. But, like, also say, so, like, you can kind of realize pretty quickly if the board does read me, reads me quickly, like it does everybody in the classroom. And then it assumes, like, the form of one of my loved ones dead. Sure. Like, and I guess this would be my question as a whole for the lesson is, like, I... You said you love the idea of a practical lesson. I recognize that, like, a lot of people learn that way. It's a good type of lesson but is it a good lesson for a bogart like okay yes that's a fair question the people whose fears we see are all very like they're not too personal snape is probably the most personal harry obviously if he had been given the chance to fight it would be very personal with the dementors if i were to face it i wouldn't want to necessarily let all of my peers know that i wouldn't want to face that fear in front of all my peers I, I agree with you. It's a, it could be a potentially, it could go a bad way. Right. And, and it, Lupin saw it going a bad way, which is why he stopped it. But he knows Harry, so he could know to stop that. But like, what about right. a student he doesn't know? Right. Like, I, I'm assuming the Slytherin's got to have this lesson. Assuming like Draco Malfoy, I feel like there's a very large possibility the boar could turn into his father. Like, Interesting. what if like an abusive parent is the bogart? And then... Uh, like, I just feel like or a lot of bad, I know they're only 13 years old, but a lot of bad things can happen to 13-year-olds in life. So, like, is Lupin then prepared to provide some sort of help to these students who he just, like, 
outed all these like private fears. Obviously, no. that's not what happened in the scene, but no, but that's no, it's a valid question to ask, and I would agree with you in that he probably, if he was doing this right should probably speak to the students and just be like, hey, this is what we're dealing with today. Is anybody uncomfortable? Does anybody not want to do this? Or at least take a survey of like, if you're comfortable telling me, what is it that we're about to see? Yeah. Uh, just get, like, he knew Neville's and was able to talk him through that. Right. What if, like, let's say one of these was something a little bit more personal or aggressive. Would he talk them through that? And then find a different way. Because obviously Neville's being Snape. That's something that Neville probably doesn't want to make very public. But they turned it into kind of like a joke. And it's also not totally out of the realm of possibilities. Like Correct. Like peers yeah. see how Snape treats him. Right. So <laughs> I did like the line of, oh, you know, we'll just picture Snape but in your grandmother's clothes. And Neville's like, I don't want her to show yeah. up either. <laughs> oh, no. It was great. And for the record, like. We always try to compare books and movies. Obviously, the book is more in-depth and in detail here. The movie pretty much goes, oh, like, line for line. For sure, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, literally line for line here. So the only oh. thing... Okay, the Parvati in the movies, that big freaky clown... That was not pleasant. That was scarier than any <laughs> mummy or whatever else she was facing. That clown was so scary. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> that... Doesn't it turn into a snake for someone, too, at some point? I think it starts as a snake for her, and she turns the snake into the clown. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yo, no, clown worse. Yeah, I, I'd hang, much I take worse the snake. for sure, yeah. <laughs> it's good. We're having agreement before we argue. Oh, yay. <laughs> so, let's cherish this moment. <laughs> and let's pause there. Uh, it'll be good. Uh, we're giving you the break sound of what Anna was like pre this episode and going into the next uh, spoiler People section. I'm just going to think I'm constantly mean to you, but that's fine. Yep, we're going to spoilers. <laughs> be right back. You, you foul and loathsome them evil little cockroach. All right, so we are back with the spoiler section and uh, Anna's going to get her chance to kind of talk a little bit about some of the teachers because this was... The last two chapters have basically been a glimpse inside each of their personalities, each of their classrooms, what they're good at, what they're not good at, faults, things they do well. So we'll kind of get your opinion on some of these. Uh, we'll start with Snape and Lupin because they were in this chapter specifically. But what did you kind of think about them with all that you know of them and all that kind of good stuff? Well, I think we all know how I feel about Snape and that he's an absolutely terrible teacher and man, and I don't like him. Um, You're really not that opinionated on him. Yeah, no, I don't no. know that. No, people might have forgotten. We've we've gone toe to toe on Snape before. We don't have yeah. to have that that well, discussion again. But on the exact to me, Snape and Lupin are on the opposite ends of spectrums, like teacher wise. Like Snape shows a lot of favoritism. He bullies his not favorites, and then you have Lupin. Complete opposite. To me, Lupin is just the best teacher we see throughout the series. And yes, I'm including Minerva McGonagall in that. I just think he's kind. That says a lot coming from you. I know. I know. I just, I just think he's a fantastic teacher. Like, he incorporates book learning. He incorporates hands-on learning. He 
doesn't bombard with useless homework. His homework assignments that we see him give are actually helpful. Again, he's kind. He's so kind. He listens to his students. He learns about his students and he bolsters them up. Like, I mean, in just this single chapter that we're covering in this episode, the difference he makes in Neville. Imagine the difference he'll make in Neville throughout this year. I just, I love Lupin. I think he's a wonderful teacher. We can kind of get into what I'm about to say throughout this book. Because obviously Lupin and Harry have a, a lot. Yes. <laughs> they have a lot. They do. There's a lot there. But I think when you get into Harry becoming kind of a pseudo Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher mm-hmm. later on, I think he takes a lot from Lupin. Agreed. As 100%. how to teach the class, okay. his yeah. personality of how to teach it. This is going to be sound very self-serving after what you just said about Lupin. But uh, as a teacher, because I have done some teaching, not as much as you when you were in college yeah. and not as much as Elizabeth, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I have done some teaching. And I look at myself as a Lupin type teacher where it is good. Um, So far, my students have agreed, (laughs) luckily. Uh, But no, I I say that because I try to go off book a little bit because books do only take you so far. Yeah. And books are great and they do teach you a lot, but also the real world and experience, I believe, teaches you far more. Mm-hmm. And the most recent student I had said as much of like, I thought this was what I was going to be learning. I thought this was going to be my experience. And then you're teaching me all of these things that I didn't even know were a part of it. Right. And I think that's the true bit of teaching. Like that's the lessons that are going to stick with you. Not I like me reading a paragraph in a book is not probably going to stick with me. Well, and I think that's why teachers don't get enough respect in general. Like, the people who don't appreciate teachers just look at it as like, oh, you're just reading them books. You're just putting stuff up on a chalkboard. But, like, teachers are preparing young people for the world. They're... Life lessons within the lessons. Anybody who's <laughs> yeah. just going by the book is not a very good teacher. So, like, sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, I will forgo the Snape debate and we'll move on with some of the other teachers really quick. Snape is not, I don't, I agree with you 100%. Snape's not a great uh, person. I think he's got a very flawed, uh, and some of that comes from his own traumas and some of the stuff that he's gone through. Both some of his own fault and some, not his fault, but, but yeah, not, he's got some issues. Um, it, and it is wrong to put some of those, because he very clearly does. He puts some of his issues onto his students, which is unfair and not right. Uh, that being said, I think he does know his subject, and I think he does. You can know a subject and not be a good teacher. And I would make this argument for Hagrid as well, if we're talking about other teachers. You can have all the knowledge in the world about a subject, but just because you're very knowledgeable in it and you're, you know, good Passionate at it about it. And, yeah. yeah doesn't mean you're going to be good at teaching it and passing it on to young minds. Uh, both to your point and against your point, the difference between Snape and Hagrid is, I think Snape is a good teacher to some and not a good teacher well, yeah. to others. Yes, that's true. That's both to and, you know, against your point, but whatever. <laughs> so, but Hagrid on the other side, since we're transitioning now to the, some of the other teachers that you saw. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, passionate, I think Hagrid great. could be a good teacher if maybe he was given a little more, like, 
training or guidance yeah. on how to be a teacher. That is something I brought up with Elizabeth. I'm like, so if you take a resume similar to Hagrid's to a board and you want to get that teacher approved, is he going to get the job? He probably shouldn't get this job. Like, if we're just being real about it, he probably shouldn't get the job. I think he does a great job of teaching the class initially. I was going to say, I mean, like, maybe did he go a little too, like, big for his third years? Yes. With, I mean, objectively, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, was he doing a good job up to that point? Like, yeah, he Told really him facts was. that he needed to know yeah. and how to approach it. And, no, he did good there. And everybody who was listening to him did well with the animal. Yeah. So, Future. there's, yeah, Hagrid's got some positives couple of negatives, but, you know, we'll see. It's Hagrid. It's Hagrid. I, the, and uh, I brought this up, too, is, like, when you see other teachers come in throughout the series and subform, mm-hmm. like, probably Plank oh, or whatever, yeah. and the students always tend to comment on it, like, wow, this is an actual lesson. Set by a competent teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, no one's going to die today. We're good. We're good. But, Yeah. <laughs> So now we're getting into the McGonagall Trelawney of it all. Um, yeah, you had some hot takes. Yeah, I had some hot takes in the last episode, which you don't particularly, I'm going to say this mildly, don't agree with. Yeah, no. No. So if you've been jonesing for an Anna Dan <laughs> rumble, uh, you got one. So welcome to it. What, what were your takes on my takes? We'll just start with you since I had my five-minute rant or whatever it was. Well, no, I just think you're giving her so much more credit than she deserves. I will recognize she, you know, has her two prophecies that are true, like, seer prophecies. I'm maybe a little too much of a Hermione in this situation that I just don't appreciate the subject of divination and prophecies as a whole. I don't See, that's like a non-starter there to the whole conversation. Like, like, I'm never going to have a great amount of respect for Tormelani or any seer. Um, That's just me. I just don't think that's fair because you don't But it is fair because you're just, like, giving her so much credence for all of these silly little things that she's making up. She's like a fortune teller in that first lesson. Not saying Trelawney is a bad person. I am saying she is very not consistent with her true prophecies but she wants the respect of her whatever great relation cassandra was so she acts like she's constantly making these prophecies that i think are very much make her appear to be a charlatan like i'm sorry the whole neville in the teacup thing she made neville break that teacup she made him nervous. She did not. And you make it sound like teacup. she tripped she Neville on the way to putting the seed in Neville's mind, and Neville broke the teacup. The whole lavender's bunny thing—such a broad topic, like such a broad statement. Oh, that thing you will be dreading. I'm with Hermione. Are you really telling me that lavender has been specifically dreading the death of her baby bunny? And again, it you, did not actually happen on October 16th. Have it you ever had days a, before. Have you ever had a pet? Anna. Yep. Have you ever been away from that pet? Yeah. Have you ever worried no. that the pet might have got sick, got hurt, 
died. You've never been fearful for that pet at all in any way, shape, or form. I'm the wrong person to ask about this because I'm not really a pet lover. I'm oh, you mean like Hermione, who hates pet. like every other person's That's pet? That's not every other person's pet. I also. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to make myself sound like a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like pets. People, I'm closing my case. <laughs> you can't blame Trelawney when right up front you enter the classroom and her first quote is. If you don't have the site, yeah. capital S site, there's a not a whole lot I can teach you about this subject. You either have it or you don't. Right up front, she tells you plainly. And if you're giving Hagrid credit for telling you plainly about a hippogriff, and if you're giving Lupin credit for having a conversation, be like, this is what we're up against. What do you think? Like having this conversation. She tells you right up front. And that's... This is the nature of my subject. That's fine. I can recognize that. I can even recognize that she has the site sometimes. Where I take issue is that you are trying to attribute all these tiny little made up things. No, what I'm trying to, to attribute. Site. That's not correct. What I'm trying to attribute. That's what you're trying no, to me, that's, that's what it sounds like you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the flack and disrespect that's given to her frequently is unwarranted. Is she the best teacher? No. I've admitted that. She's not the best seer. She is a seer. None of these seers were ever really truly, even Cassandra was thought of as like, was, I think Elizabeth said she was cursed to have people never believe her. I'm just saying that the disrespect that Hermione shows her is rude and unwarranted. The disrespect that McGonagall shows her as a peer is rude and unwarranted. That is the only, for me, that is the only valid point you make. Like, that's, I, I love McGonagall. I think she's a great teacher, but McGonagall is wrong. I agree with you. She is wrong in letting her poor views of Trelawney be known to her students. Like, she should just have her fellow teachers back at all times. And we know eventually... She does have Trelawney's back. She stands up for Trelawney pretty hard. When faced with umbrage. Yes. Um, <laughs> she still wouldn't have to. But anyway, I, like, yes, Minnie was wrong in so blatantly undermining another teacher to her students. She just was. I'll give you that. If you're at your job. Yes, okay. And the business that you're working for does something that makes a customer upset. And they attack you, the representative of that company. So Divination is the company. Trelawney's the representative, <laughs> Hermione is the student. If they attack you and say that you are awful because of this, you are the reason for this, A, how do you feel? You feel attacked, you feel defensive, you feel wrongly accused of something that you've been upfront with the person from the beginning, because under our terms and under our like guidelines and what we've told you, it's this. You have a problem with that. That's not my problem. You have a problem with what it is in the first place, not me. You are correct and you are also incorrect. Because yes, <laughs> I, I like to think that I'm good at my job. So yes, if somebody starts attacking from me, attacking me for something that is not my fault, that is something that the company hands down upon me. But even the people, the overseers of my company lays down on my company. There are also people who work the same job as me who are just not good at their job and who, you know what, 
Would I ever say that to the person who's going off on them? No, because I am not Minerva McGonagall and I try not to throw my coworkers under the bus much as I sometimes want to and much as they sometimes deserve it. But there are varying levels of a good person, a good worker, so just, and a company. So in Trelawney's case, if you're McGonagall now... I wouldn't throw her under the bus, but I wouldn't have much well, respect for no, her. You, you run your classroom one way. Yeah. yeah? You run your classroom one way. Trelawney runs her classroom another way. Just because that way is different from you, does that give you the right to say she is wrong in what she is doing? Okay, well, one, two very different subjects, so obviously two very different minds approaching a way of teaching. Maybe, maybe she sees in the crystal ball or the tea leaves or some other form of her specialty darkness coming towards the school, and it could be the death of a student. I would even, I would respect And one that. guy is next year, too. I know. But I would <laughs> so. respect a more broad death is coming to the school from her than I do specifically, Harry, you have the grim. I mean, don't you remember but. when she's being observed by Umbridge and Umbridge wants her to, like, make a prediction on the spot and she tries to explain to Umbridge it's not how it works. And then everybody starts to leave. And then she clearly just throws something out there. That's not true. That's just made up. That's not how you feel about the majority of the things she presents to her class. She's more accurate than you think. And again, it's an inexact profession to begin with. It's an it is. And I guess that's my biggest that's, problem with Trelawney. It's an inexact science that but she that's not tries her fault. to present herself. But she, it is her fault that she tries to present herself as being exact. It's an inexact science that she tries to present herself being spot on every time. So, and that's where I take issue. That's I, where it makes me not believe her. And I think that's where it makes Minerva not believe her and Hermione not believe her. I think, like, tea leaves to a certain extent is readable, whatever. Palmistry is readable. Crystal ball bothers me the most. I'm like, you could really either... Well, I think that's where you go back to what she were trying to defend her with of needing the sight. Right. That I'm is the most... I'm going to a cloudy thing and see nothing. Right. Yeah, that's... She might look in and see something. Sure. The point that you got on me before this whole thing about her seeing the grim in Harry's teacup, she's not wrong about that. She misreads, she misreads the sign of, like, this means X. She interpreted it wrong, but the fact that she saw it and was like, there's an omen here, Harry recognizes it really quick because he saw what he thought was one in Magnolia Crescent with Sirius as the essential, <laughs> literal black dog of death, or whatever is what he He's saw. not a black dog of death. That's what he dog. saw. He saw a big dog in an alleyway <laughs> that resembled the Grimm. So it's not a terrible inaccuracy and she just makes the wrong conclusion. Because she wanted to serve her own purposes for her dramatic that doesn't, sentence to a student that she does. If you're her and you know Harry Potter's history and you see a grim. If anything, that makes it even worse. She's her, she's his teacher who knows his history if anything, if that's really what she's saying, she shouldn't be just, like, throwing it out and making him feel like poop in front of the entire class. And the entire class is walking around. His best friend is giving him the side eye for the rest of the day. Anyway, my, my, I guess, no, I'm not saying Trelawney is a great teacher. 
I'm saying she gets unfair flack and disrespect that's undue. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Call me Hermione. You haven't changed my opinion. I'm gonna roll my crystal ball at her and walk out at Easter. I'll defend my fellow Ravenclaw. <laughs> uh, while you're on a roll of disagreeing with me, anything else from other chat or uh, the last couple episodes that you had? Oh, we skipped over McGonagall's actual lesson of anime, which is... We should really note that, because it's a cool lesson. It is cool. I'm going to give her the applause so that, you know, she didn't go one year without getting applause for her change. That's, uh... We saw for the first time a little arrogant McGonagall of, like, uh, excuse me, I just did something great. Can you acknowledge me real quick? Like, oh, okay, okay, Minerva, all right. Gosh, I love that woman so much. Cocky McGonagall, that's fine. That's fine. It, it, but that's a really cool lesson. But you, I, if I'm correct, you had the issue uh, when I talked with Molly about Animagus, specifically Sirius, and the Grimm, since we just got done talking about the Grimm. And I posed the question to Molly about, uh, do you think little 30-year Sirius Black is sitting there and they're coming up with this idea of like having their own Animagus? And he's like, wait a minute. I can transform into anything. What about the Grim? What if I become like my own Grim? What was your... Well, I guess, I mean, I don't feel, you know, as strongly about this as I do about your Trelawney hot take. But I guess I just disagree with you. I don't think anybody gets to choose their animagus form. Like, I don't think Sirius has ever sitting there thinking, oh yeah, I want to turn. Okay, maybe he was thinking, yeah, I hope I turn into this. Maybe he was hoping he'd turn into the Grim to mess with people's minds. So you're... I think it's kind of an inherent trait within you, kind of similar to like a Patronus, that, you know, people don't choose their Patronus. You are able to perform the magic. You learn how to perform the magic. And something that is representative of your inherent person bursts out. Interesting. So you're thinking like McGonagall's teaching this lesson and she teaches or tries to teach them that this is a thing. By the way, how come more of them don't listen to this lesson? Be I know, like, right? Well, because uh, Trelawney messed them up. That's a big eye roll for me. I actually... <laughs> he did. He like actually moved his whole head. <laughs> like, I think I might have actually strained my eyes in that eye roll. So she's teaching this lesson and let's say Seamus decides like, oh, this is something I want to pursue. It's not something where he can be like, I want to change myself into a dog here or it's not like um, uh, I'm blanking on the what uh, Tonks is called. Metamorph- Metamorphosis. Me- yeah. Because that's not something she learns. That's something inherent in her. That's like an ability that she's able kind of shapeshift. You know, she's able to change her appearance at will. I imagine this is a branch of magic that not everybody's able to do, even if you know how to do it. Right. That's why there's so few registered animagus. Yeah. And that's why it takes, I mean, yes, they're students, but that's why it takes, you know, James, Sirius, and Peter two years to be able to fully safely transform. But I think, you know, I think the reason Sirius and James transformed into such large animals is they were really powerful 
you know, wizards and James had an inherent talent for transfiguration. Peter, not such a talented wizard. Very small. Obviously, there's more meaning behind what he transforms into. That can be discussed much later. But small animal, not as talented. So I don't think that's his choice. I think that's something to do with his ability. Yes, a cat could be relatively small. Yes, I think McGonagall is very powerful. But, you know, it's still in the realm of things. Would I guess that James and Sirius are more powerful than her? Yeah, I probably would. Wow. That's a big take, too. That's an aggressive take. Okay, but it's me. Like, does that really surprise you? That James and Sirius is yeah. more powerful than McGonagall? That's, that does surprise me. Uh, I would like to know what Albus Dumbledore would transform into as an Animagus. Because I don't think it would be a phoenix. No. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. I kind of don't want to get away from your James and Sirius is more powerful than Minerva comment. That kind of surprised me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously she's very powerful and talented. She's also, you know, lived a much longer magical life. And so I guess I just, you know, James and Sirius were cut so short. But, I mean, the fact that they were brought into the Order of the Phoenix so young. They never really truly hit their magical prime. Right. And so I feel like the fact... They were talented. What they had already done up to the age of 21 compared to, you know, if they had reached McGonagall's age, are you really telling me they probably would not have surpassed her. Like, can you, let's imagine James Potter and Sirius Black, if you will, mm-hmm. at the Battle of Hogwarts. Minerva McGonagall does some very impressive. Minerva handled herself quite well. magic in that battle. She did. I think some of everyone's favorite magic. She did herself quite well. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, I think, I'm just, I don't know. She, she took on some pretty, powerful entities in right. the, and did some I'm not insanely trying, you know, powerful I'm not magic. trying to knock my girl Minnie. I'm not. I'm just saying, you know, again, there is a reason Voldemort went for James and Lily before Frank and Alice. What were the three things that had James and Lily facing off personally against Voldemort three times before, you know, this prophecy was made? I just, I think, you know, there's a lot of talent that were we to get the Marauder series that I dream and hope for every day of my life. Wasn't that something else that you uh, nitpicked with me um, before the episode about James and Sirius showing, what was it, maturity or something like that before they... Uh, Well, one of our previous episodes together, we were talking about, uh, I was kind of going, am I not liking Gary Oldman and Sirius Black? discussion and we talked a lot more about that than I think either of us thought we were going to and um I was just kind of listening to it and I just I feel like I did not defend them well enough and like I feel like both of them just so show more James in particular Sirius could have shown some more emotional maturity wow um but James I mean like think about it James freaking saved Severus Snape's life at the age of how old were they? They I think they were 15 when Sirius sent Snape after Lupin and the Shrieking Shack. Yeah. 
And already at the age of 15, it must have been 16, because 15 would have meant Snape's first memory. And James was not there yet. But I just, like, James shows a lot of caring for his friends, for Lupin. Like, I just feel like they don't get, you know, enough Well, that's respect. my... Well... I thought you were going to say the word. I, I thought you said they don't get enough time, which was my point, is they don't get really well, a yeah, whole lot of time to show that. that. Like, Lupin yeah. gets but a whole book. Get, right. Lupin gets a whole book, which I think he ends up getting overlooked a lot more when Sirius becomes more of a prominent character. Like, I feel like Harry almost forgets exactly how much Lupin did for him. He gets to, to at odds with book. Lupin a little bit. He at, does, at which times. is, you know, fair. But I just think... It's weird, because he gets... The, the knock on Sirius is that he treats Harry too much like James, yeah. and Lupin treats Harry too much like a kid. You know what I mean? Like, Lupin always looks at him like, no, 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 we, we got this. Like, don't worry, and shoves some of his ideas to the side a little bit. Like, with Snape specifically, he just discards those ideas and, and things like that well, away. everybody does that to Harry. Lupin's not the only one. But Harry goes that. to Lupin specifically with a lot of these these because he respects them so much obviously and Lupin's See, just I like guess yeah. I've always thought of it more as like Harry brings it to Sirius and Lupin happens to be there well there's a certain time when Sirius is not there anymore so then he brings it to Lupin so it's like and Arthur Arthur's too and so help me this is our daily <laughs> give Arthur his moment <laughs> we will there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to talk about I know, with all I of these like relationships. I was too, like, all over the place with my James and Sirius. My mind was just kind of like... My, my only point to that was just, you, you just don't get enough of that. And your point yeah, was accurate. Didn't have that was life. exactly what you said last time, which is true. I'm not debating that at all. But they, well, I guess even though they didn't have enough life, I feel like James in particular is not given enough kudos for the emotional maturity he showed in the lifespan that he had. You know, James grew up. In James's defense, Lily did find something in him that she loved, which is not a small thing. So there is reason for that. There you go. There's your <laughs> There's your me being positive. I, I am it's not like I hate James Potter. There's, I don't. There's me defending James Potter for uh, what's your what's your tally at for First, however many episodes, how many times well, I've brought it back to To be James fair, Potter. that count was you out of nowhere bringing up James, <laughs> which I still think is at one because I technically I brought up James this time. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, we're running long. Um, any other thoughts that you have before we jump in? Uh, she's going to return for chapter eight. Hiya. So we'll end it here um let us know i'm sure there will be a poll up on twitter of trelawney and my takes on trelawney i'm sure we'll get a poll going or something hate and on him people hate I, on you him you know what i am fully prepared for that poll to be like 100% against me and 0% I might make for might some fake twitters just to vote against you multiple times sure uh, why not i'm sure other people will just to pile on my trelawney but you know what i'm fine with it bring it i can handle my own so that's fine anyway um with that we'll close it here uh do go to our twitter and instagram it's great stuff please follow us there and uh we will catch you on the next one thanks thank you for listening to hogwarts a podcast 
If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.